Lowe's knows you'll do it right to find the right gifts for dad this Father's Day. We do it right, too, with deals that'll make dad as proud as his perfectly seared steak and his perfectly manicured lawn. Now get a Charbroil 4-Burner Advantage Series gas grill for just $169 and pick up your choice of Craftsman gas or electric string trimmer for only $99 each. Make this Father's Day his best one yet and do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Charbroil offer valid through 612, Craftsman offer valid through 619, U.S. only. Roto-Grinders presents the Daily Fantasy Fix Podcast. Dan Bach talks to the biggest personalities in DFS, delivers commentary on the industry's most important topics, and gives you the advice you need to help build winning lineups. Both the salary and the matchup are just too good. If you are not playing him in your head-to-head games, you are just going to lose. You didn't really think we were going to get rid of that, did you? Here's your host, the one and only, Dan Bach. Okay, pumped to bring you our next guest here on the podcast. He is uh, the newest member of Roto-Grinders team as uh, we decided to up our game up. And we've got a director of analytics, and his name is Kevin Cole, and he is joining us here today on the Roto-Grinders Daily Fantasy Fix. What's going on, Kevin? Uh, I'm welcome doing to Roto-Grinders, man. Thanks, thanks. You know, doing good. Happy to be on board. Excited to, to get cranking. So, Director of Data and Analytics. Uh, what does that mean? What <laughs> Again, what is exactly you're gonna be, your role going to be with us here at Roto-Grinders? What are you looking to accomplish? Yeah, yeah. I mean, to, to parse that out a little bit, obviously there's a lot of great data and work that's already being done on the site. So I'm coming in from a background as someone who has done some sports analytics, uh, some programming and different data software packages and testing as a, a role outside of sports as a data scientist. So it's really to bring in, to try to make you know modeling and some of the other approaches that we're going to bring to the site a little bit more robust to bring in some of those uh, data science principles and see if that can uh, you know help our users win a lot more contests. Now, what, what's your background here? Uh, take me through you know, where you went to college into how you got into data analytics and, uh, and how you kind of got hooked up with, with us. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of a convoluted path. I mean, I started, uh, grew up in California and went to school out in Berkeley for a while. I was working in the investment industry. So, uh, I was doing quantitative work there for stock and bond analysis, but, it wasn't the type of programming and, and data programming work that I ended up doing. So I made a transition uh, a handful of years ago and I taught myself how to use one program, programming language named R and then also eventually Python and then started doing sports analysis work, uh, fantasy football work, a lot of stuff uh, and a lot of stuff involved in just what you would call, you know, quote unquote, real football doing analysis there and uh, made the transition over and have been working uh, in the capacity as a data scientist for an advertising agent for a while, advertising agency for a while, helping them analyze all this different consumer data that they had and build models uh, based upon that. Before you know, finally making the transition now to get back into you know the, the larger sports space and the DFS space, applying the the stuff that I've learned here. Was it a situation where like uh, I mean, did you get kind of bored about what you were doing and you're like, I'm a sports fan, I'm good with numbers. Like, this is where my passion should be. 
Because, I mean, let's face it, I mean, your background, you know, especially in the financial sector, I mean, that could be a highly, highly lucrative, you know, field. Uh, why is it more like chasing a passion to get back into sports? Yeah, I would say that's part of it. I mean, I think there's a larger kind of macro perspective that comes with this sort of work as far as, uh, you know, using data-informed decisions as opposed to narrative, things like that. I mean, a lot of that can apply also to the investing world. But essentially what happened is on the side, you know, in my normal interest outside of work when I was doing the finance sort of work, I became more and more interested in things like uh, Nate Silver's 538 blog, which at the time was on uh, was at the New York Times and different modeling that was going on there, a work that Brian Burke was doing before he came over to ESPN. He had a site called Advanced Football Analytics that I became very interested in. And I started to you know, learn some of the tools that they were using in this analysis. Like I mentioned R, which is a, a programming language. And it just happened to be that at my job, there became an availability to kind of take a buyout package as there was a restructuring going on. So I decided to do that and jump in. And, you know, it definitely hasn't, at least thus far, been a more lucrative way way to move. And my wife is very well aware of that. I've kind of been stepping back at salary every single way. But it is, you know, much more fulfilling. And this is the type of work that, you know, I, I really just love diving into the data and doing visualizations and really trying to, to model. And essentially, you're just trying to figure out how things work. And that, that's very interesting to me. Uh how, what's your history in daily fantasy? I mean, how long have you been playing? Um, and you know, how easily is it going? You know, is all this stuff that you're working on? You feel like it's going to translate? Have you, you know, already done certain modeling before you got here? Talk about that side of of your your path. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the modeling that I was doing before was for season long. So I'd done some DFS modeling. I'd done some consulting for for fantasy labs uh you know who offers a, a similar product as far as the projections and modeling uh working with their nfl and nba projections doing ceiling and floor projections things like that so i've been doing that you know i haven't been that much of a dfs player i think it just came at a portion it exploded onto the scene during a time in my life with wife and and very young kids where i wasn't able to play that much and then it went out in new york and came back so i'm definitely going to be getting back into it more um, as far as how the modeling is going to apply, I mean, I do think there is a lot of consistency between different fields when you're using these tools and the techniques that you're using. So that makes doing this type of work interesting because you can apply in a lot of different areas. But then again, you know, there's going to be a learning curve like there is for anything else. I mean, a lot of the, the best players in the world and some of them who also use some of this advanced modeling, I mean, they'll say just as uh, they'll admit just as quickly as anyone that. You know, you, you go in first with your assumptions, you build your models, then you have to kind of uh, reiterate. It's an iterative process to go again and again and making adjustments. So it, it could take a little bit of time to get everything working perfectly, but I think things do translate over pretty quickly. Uh, where do you think the modeling will work best? Because we've got so many different sports to look at. We've got basketball, we've got baseball, we've got football, we've got golf. Uh, do you feel like those type of analytical models that you're talking about will work better for some sports versus others? Yeah, I mean, they definitely work better for some, but there's different others. I guess there's a couple different ways to work, to look at. I mean, sports that have the highest component of predictability and have the largest sample sizes to, to work with, and you're getting constant feedback, something like, let's say, baseball, um, it's going to work extremely well. So from that perspective, you know, that's going to work better there as opposed to some of the other sports, maybe NBA next, you know, NFL a little bit lower down. But then again, on the flip side, if you're t thinking about how as a DFS player, are you going to be 
more profitable or get a gain um, a gain on the competition, you know that might not necessarily be the best place in baseball, where a lot of these tools are probably already being used. It's going to be more in the realm of uh, you know PGA or NASCAR or any of these other sort of uh, nascent. Uh, a little bit newer t- to the game, DFS places where it's a little bit more difficult and um, it's maybe not the same sort of framework that you have on the other sports. So being able to apply models there, I think, c- could probably be one of the one of the quickest places to gain a profitability edge. Well, I'm excited to see what you guys come up with um, because you know I think that's clearly the path which you know the best players in the world are using. Um, and if we can offer that to you know our members and subscribers, you know it's just going to create uh, you know create incredible you know value to them. So uh, very pumped to see what we're going to be uh, rolling out here down the road. Now, uh, I mean, how long does it take? Because we're going to talk a little bit about what you did for the Super Bowl. You got a column that's that's a part of our big bundle, uh, big game bundle, which is available in our marketplace. We'll talk about that in a moment, but. You know, how long does it take you to like build a model, test it, and be comfortable with everything? I mean, what's that process encumber? Well, I mean, the the longest part of the process, depending upon the the sport that you're looking at, can be just you know getting the data and cleaning it and making sure there aren't a lot of mistakes and making sure that you have everything you need. So that can be a big part of the process. Now, for a lot of sports. The major sports, there are outside providers or even the, the the leagues themselves that provide really good data, so that works well. I mean, for instance, um, I'm looking at a lot of PGA data, a lot of golf data recently, and it's not as readily available there, especially when you have to combine in which I'm which I'm doing here, uh, you know, tours outside of the PGA, because even if you're just playing uh, based upon PGA uh, tournaments, you want to also bring in you know, past performance history that these players have had in, in, in other tours. So it, it's doing all of that can be a large part of the process. And a lot of times it could be more than, more than half of the process. So it, it really depends upon that. And as far as, you know, testing and doing everything else, I think it's just uh, the first time you're going through it, it's going to take, you know, uh, uh, it's going to take a lot of hours. I mean, it's going to take uh, a couple of weeks at least once you even have all the data to make sure you have something that's fitting. And then, like I said, it's, it's continuing to, to iterate and improve upon it. So it's never something that you, that you go away from, but it's, it's definitely something you have to come back to on uh, you know, a monthly basis or every few months to continue to make improvements. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. We've got uh, $2 million first-place prizes up for grabs on FanDuel and DraftKings. A little bit different format for those two games. DraftKings does include defense. FanDuel does not. Um, I know the column you wrote, I think, is more tailored to the DraftKings game that's coming up this week. And uh, tell me a little bit about the approach that you took in terms of digging through data, especially on a game where it really has never been played. I mean, I think there's literally like two weeks of, of you know, results in terms of, you know, what would work. Uh, how'd you go about, like, you know, building some sort of model or uh, looking back at previous results for a game that's never really happened before. Yeah, that was one of the the unique aspects of them. And you also mentioned the fact that you have defensive players. So just so for, for a little background, you, you're able to choose a six-player lineup, four offensive players, two defensive players. They're all from the same game, obviously. So you have you know interactions between the players which you do not see normally because not only – 
do you have you know the offense and the defense are interacting with each other the you know the offensive players are interacting with each other but even how one offensive team we'll say one offense performs is going to have an effect on the other offense being you know if there's a score differential things like that that can that can change game script and and how teams are choosing to allocate place between passes and runs all those different things so there's so many different assumptions that you can build into that about the relationship between the different players and projections on the players themselves that rather than going through and trying to do all those different assumptions and then testing them and doing things like that on a, on a fairly short window and turnaround, what I decided to do was to, instead of doing all of that, to try to find similar games in the past. So, so to do something where you can score uh, every historical game by how similar it is to this game. And when I say similar, I'm looking at it in terms of uh, the spread, the over-under, and that how much, how many uh, fantasy points per game the the top positional players have been averaging over the last five games coming into this matchup. So it's looking at all those different attributes. It's scoring every historical game from the past. And then from there, I'm pulling out the 100 most similar games and then the, the next level here is when it really when you really start to come into using some of these tools that are available with with data programming it's generating every possible lineup combination from those games getting a total score for all those different lineup combinations and then from there you can start to rank those and figure out which lineup combinations have been successful in the past for similar games and and the advantage here is that even if you don't understand all the different relationships, you don't really have to understand everything that's going on. You're you're essentially looking at the next best thing to what to what's going to happen in the future. You know what's happened in the past that's very similar, and then looking at the results there, and that's how you're figuring out uh, best what may happen in the future. Yeah, I found that fascinating <laughs> to to see you go through and, and and trying to find games with similar point spreads and and whatnot. You kind of talk about it within the column, and uh, and it was crazy to see. You know, I, I think there was one game that you even pinpointed as you know the closest game to this one, and it was Week Nine, two thousand fourteen, Carolina versus New Orleans. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself. How the hell did he figure that out? <laughs> like, I mean, it's a random game. It's not like it's another Super Bowl where your your sample size is is limited. It was Week Nine in 2014. I guess that goes back to, you know, uh, being able to program these things to kind of help you discover those nuggets. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like I said, it's it's looking at the differences and all these different things. So it's saying. You know that matchup had a had a spread of uh, in favor of the the Saints were a three point favorite versus depending upon where you look it's four and a half or five for the Patriots here and then looking at all the different players and how they matched up with Drew Brees kind of being a proxy for for um, Tom Brady uh, the fact that you have Gronk Gronkowski and Ertz in the Super Bowl there you had Greg Olson and Jimmy Graham so you had two strong tight ends you had wide receivers and running backs who maybe weren't quite as as strong as you see for some um, RB ones or wide receiver ones so that fell in there the one thing that looks a little bit different is cam newton versus Foles, but yet if you look at how Foles has performed as a starter with the eagles he's averaging about as many fantasy points as what cam newton was averaging coming into that matchup so that's why those are seen as being so similar so that's just one of the hundred different matchups that i would look at i would come up with all these different lineups and then you know in that matchup you could say okay this this lineup did the best uh what who were the players who were in there and then, um, you know, being able to apply that to the Super Bowl and say, okay, if we take those equivalent positional slots and apply them to the people who are in the Super Bowl, who, who may provide uh, a more likely winning lineup? Uh, what kind of findings did you get on the defensive side of things? Because, you know, I think it's, it's 
fairly obvious you probably want to build in correlation between wide receiver and, and quarterback. Uh, and I'm not going to give away a little secret that you that you had on that front. We'll leave that for people who uh, are premium subscribers to kind of uh, read for themselves. But on the defensive side of things, um, you know, let's talk about that because you know there's a lot of correlation in the scoring on defense. I mean, I think I was looking at like one of the one of the highest scoring plays that you could have would be like a sack. Um, with a fumble recovered and picked up for a touchdown by like the same guy would be just a massive, massive scoring um, play for uh, a defender. And obviously in these tournaments, you know, you can technically play cash games if you wanted to, but we're also looking for kind of outlier um, outcomes that can allow us to win a million dollars against, you know, 200,000 of our of our closest friends. So what kind of findings did you come up with in your analysis of defensive players? Because again, you know, in daily, we really have not had defensive players be uh, relevant in terms of, you know, building lineups. Yeah. Well, for the defensive players, I mean, if you're looking at it first, just from an initial view, uh, there's a lot of scoring related to tackles. I mean, you get a point for solo tackles, half a point for, if you're if you're assisting on a tackle and then there are bonuses for getting over eight tackles things like that so you do find that some of the inside linebackers and others that are getting a lot of tackling end up doing better in the scoring but um, as far as differentiating between the positions there probably isn't as big of a differentiator as you might think and like you mentioned there could be these extremely big plays especially in the context of defensive players who just don't score as much as the offensive players do that have a have a big impact so i think one of the one of the bigger takeaways that you end up seeing is that often some of the best lineup combinations include uh, defensive backs or linebackers or defensive linemen who are the you know the third fourth best play according to how they have been performing in the past or, or how much that their salary is going to going to cost um, in the contest as opposed to you don't see that nearly as much on the offensive end so it seems to be some more randomness there which will provide a couple different things I may mean, give you some more flexibility of course to to fit more offensive players in and. It also helps, um, you know, differentiate your lineup from a from a game theory perspective. So you're not, you know, splitting pots. Also, as you're as you're moving up the chain. Yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 going to be fascinating to build lineups. I haven't gone through that uh, down that rabbit hole yet, but I know as soon as I start, I usually don't stop. So I'm just kind of delaying <laughs> uh, the inevitable, uh, probably two hour session that I'm going to have, you know, building these teams. But uh, it's interesting because I actually think that this is something that we're going to see more prevalent in daily fantasy moving forward. I think we're going to see it on Monday night football games. I think we're going to see it for Sunday night football games. And uh, I think it's going to be an opportunity for daily fantasy sites to uh, try and churn money on a given night. I don't think we're going to see the end of a regular slate of of eight games or anything like that. But uh, these games are going to be much more... um, uh, I don't say popular, but they're going to be out there available to people moving forward. So that's going to be interesting. One thing I wanted to ask you about too, and again, I, I'm not—I'm only a semi suit. I'm not a real suit at at Roto Grinder. Semi suit. Uh, I would love to see some analysis. Uh, you know, obviously we've got like the you know the um, the the games themselves. You know, going through and and doing kind of what you did for the football. Uh, game this weekend, but I would love to see some analysis on actually winning lineups 
uh, over you know the course of years because I know that a lot of that data is available um, in terms of uh, you know old contests and whatnot and seeing you know what type of build could be you know was most successful over like the largest sample size um, and you know I think that there's enough data out there to actually get some good analysis on this on. Uh, you know whether it is you know spending on the quarterback, whether it's paying down at point guard, uh, and you know obviously everything in these sort of uh, you know in these kind of models that would be built, you need as much data as possible. I mean, daily fantasy's been around; like there is a lot of data around that. Is that something potentially that you could look into down the road? Because I selfishly really think there'd probably be interesting things there. And honestly, I don't think a lot of people have actually done that work, which I think would make it pretty unique. Yeah, well, it sounds like you're you're thinking you're thinking like a suit here because that is definitely <laughs> going to be one of the one of the big focuses that I'm going to have. I mean, yeah, you're, like you mentioned, there's a lot of data out there um, that that we're going to have access to, which you know not only has all the historical results. So I think one of the key things in here is is like you mentioned, uh, building a a, a window into what has been successful, what hasn't been successful, a window into construction, kind of the foundational principles yeah. that are that are going into it. And also, it's going to be something that's reflective for players also to look at their own game, look at what they have been mm-hmm. doing, uh, and then be able to compare that to what uh, contest winners and other successful players have been doing, kind of as a checkup for them to figure out how they can improve uh, what they may need to change, or if they're if they feel like they want to differentiate themselves in a way, they can kind of see if if they are doing that. So so all of that is on the horizon. Again, it's something that you know takes some time to get through, but with with the data out there, I think it's some really powerful ideas can be driven from it. Yeah, and uh, and like I said, I always love to trying to create things that haven't been created that's kind of how I, I got started with a podcast and then grinders live and and some of the other things at roto grinders and uh and i'm pumped that we've got you on board because i think it's an underserved market right now in this space and uh and it sounds like you know you're prepared to kind of uh you know maybe take that on and 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 provide you know users with that kind of information because i think it's uh, i think it's valuable that uh, it's invaluable, and not enough people are looking into it. So can't wait to see what you do. He is Kevin Cole. You're going to be hearing a lot more of him as uh, we move forward into the other sports. Uh, we're going to be doing some fun media stuff with him. And uh, make sure you check out his column. If you're playing the Super Bowl contest this weekend, it's the Big Game Bundle. It's in the Daily Marketplace. It's 5 bucks. if you're not a premium subscriber. If you are a premium subscriber to the monthly, or I'm assuming the NFL a little bit earlier in the year if you I'm pretty sure that applies if it doesn't let me know it should apply uh, and you can get access to that for the uh, big game coming up this weekend and hopefully you can build some winning lineups Kevin uh, great work uh, looking forward to chatting working with you more and uh, thanks for your time here today all right thanks Dan Lowe's knows you'll do it right to find the right gifts for dad this Father's Day. We do it right, too, with deals that'll make dad as proud as his perfectly seared steak and his perfectly manicured lawn. Now get a Charbroil 4-Burner Advantage Series gas grill for just $169 and pick up your choice of Craftsman gas or electric string trimmer for only $99 each. Make this Father's Day his best one yet and do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Charbroil offer valid through 612, Craftsman offer valid through 619, U.S. only. 
Pros do it right by relying on trusted brands because your reputation depends on it. Lowe's is here to help by having more of those brands in stock, like DeWalt. So when you need a DeWalt tool fast, you know where to go and where to save. Because we stock the largest in-store selection of DeWalt power tools and accessories of any national retailer. And now you can save $100 on a DeWalt XR2 Tool 20-volt max brushless power tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver for just $289. Do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offer valid through 616 U.S. only. 